You're listening to The Bridge, a podcast on stories of courage, resilience, and innovation with me, Linda Fadrizi-Williams, the president of Central Penn College. Dr. Linda Fadrizi-Williams has been an integral part of the Central Penn College family since she arrived on campus in July of 2016. Starting off as the Vice President of Academic Affairs and Provost, Fadrizi-Williams quickly became Interim President in September of 2017 and President on May of 2018. Dr. Fadrizi-Williams has had lengthy experience in higher education, including being a Professor of Communication for 11 years at SUNY Orange, also serving as a Department chair, then moving to the Associate Vice President of Liberal Arts in January of 2014. Dr. Fadrizi Williams has a Bachelor's of Arts in Communication and Media Studies and a Master of Arts in Organizational Communication from Marist College in New York and an Ed.D. from Benedictine University. During Dr. Fadrizi Williams' tenure at Central Penn College, she has been instrumental in a variety of initiatives, including our free housing scholarships to address the cost of higher education, the fostering of increased student services on campus, and the advancement of internal communication at the institution. She is married to Glenn and has two sons, the 14-year-old Jake and the 11-year-old Luke, and a spoiled Weimariner named Oakley. They live in Mechanicsburg. So it is my pleasure to welcome Dr. Fadrizi Williams here for the a very interesting podcast. Mm-hmm. So we are going to be today doing a simulcast between the Nightly News podcast and Dr. Fadrizi's The Bridge podcast. Today we are celebrating our 150th episode of the Nightly News podcast. And uh, Dr. Fadrizi Williams, first of all, thank you for joining us. I'm so happy to be here and it's fun to be on this side of the mic again where you get to ask me questions. Well, and <laughs> and what's interesting is we're going to flip the script yes, here. Yes, I love it. And you will come back and, and interview me. So Let's start here. You were on way back in 2019 wow. for episode number 100. I remember. And obviously, we had a much different discussion oh, then yeah. than we will now, obviously. Yeah. Um, the Nightly News podcast has kind of changed, I don't want to say changed format, but it's changed the way that we present uh, and the way that we release information. Of course, we had a six-month hiatus due to COVID. Right. Even when we came back, people were hesitant about getting into a little room with one another. Yeah. You can't really have a whole lot of social distancing. You can't have masks. I know. <laughs> so we have come a very long way. But what I want to do is talk about some of the things that you specifically have helped to spearhead here at the college over those these last couple of years, and maybe in a more general sense, how you navigated the college through this unbelievably oh, difficult man. situation. You know, the, the you could never prepare for a pandemic. I mean, now I think we will be, right? But at the time when it happened, it was so new and it was so scary. And then it was just trying to navigate a safe environment. Then it's you're, you're making decisions about not just what's best for the college, but what's best for our students in particular. So the very easiest thing to do would have been we're going to be remote indefinitely, which is what a lot of colleges did because it, it saved you the hassle of worrying about the cleaning and separating the classrooms. But that's not what was best for our students. And so we wanted to make it clear that anyone who wanted to come back was able to. And, you know, I'm not sure if everyone realized we petitioned the governor of the state of Pennsylvania to get our health sciences back in June because 
the world was still shut down in June of 2020. So we were able to bring those students back and then have our full campus back as early as August if they wanted to and then October for everyone. So it's been it's been tough. You have to have a lot of stamina. You have to have a lot of hope that things are going to continue to get better. Otherwise, it can be very defeating. So tough time. <laughs> the only thing that I can personally say is your leadership has been so evident through all of this. Oh, and thanks, and the great thing about, and I, I know for a fact that my colleagues feel the same, uh, especially the ones I've spoken with, it was your positive communication on a very, very regular basis yeah. that helped not only quantify your discussion right there, because I, I'm sure that there were people on this campus who were not ready to come back at no, that time. No, no, they weren't. And that was really difficult. So it was it was a balance of... For those who medically couldn't come in, not coming in, right? Staying remote. And I will say, we're so fortunate. Like, I've I've spoken to other colleagues, our faculty and staff, everyone wanted to do the right thing. And even being remote, those people were working just as hard, right? So I was never worried about that. It was more about keeping the experience as positive as possible. And you and I have discussed being a communication major and, and what that does for you in these roles. And students ask me all the time, what do you think helped you the best in this role? And I've talked about it on this podcast, I think my first time. And it is your ability to communicate. And it's being able to have conversations and providing that hope and being transparent and honest. And when you don't have answers, saying, I don't have the answers, but here's what I do know. And that brings a level of comfort that you really need during a crisis. There's no way we would have been able to navigate this without your leadership. And I know that you're super modest and you're going to say that there was a team. And there yes, was. And yes, there totally was. Totally was. I don't want to detract from anything those <laughs> team members added. But in the end, you're the one that's oh. ultimately making the decisions. And those decisions are going to impact the way that you're perceived by not only your, your internal stakeholders, so the people that work with you, but also those external to the institution who may or may not have agreed with the way that you went forth with yeah. this initiative. So obviously Thank you. navigating the pandemic was, was a major, and it's frankly going to kind of go down as your part of your legacy here that you were the one that guided us through yeah. this once in a lifetime pandemic. That, that's wild to think about. So thank you. And thank you for that acknowledgement. But by that rationale, mm -hmm. um, one of the things, one of the biggest changes I would honestly say that I've seen in recent years has really been the increased focus in student support. I think some of this was happening before the pandemic. Yeah. But then the fact that we were in a pandemic but still having classes, right. student supports were, were needed in so many different areas. So there's a lot of the of things that, that you've managed to spearhead over the last few years. So when you when you think about these student services, what programs have been instituted on campus to address uh, some of these student support issues yeah. or even affordability? Yeah, I think that's a great question. It's certainly been, since I got here, my area of focus. It was just a need that I saw. So pre-pandemic, you're right. Some of these things happened. We, we put the food pantry together for our students to address food insecurity. Pre-pandemic, we expanded the writing center to a full learning center. We started the affordable housing scholarship, which was one year of living on campus rent-free, but we expanded that during the pandemic. So the affordable housing scholarship is probably something I'm most proud of. It's a $24,000 value. Unreal. 
it was meant for students who want to live on campus. And affordability is an issue for every college student everywhere. This is this is not a new thing. You and I are both college students. I've had to borrow my Macs. I'm sure you've had to borrow something, right? Many I'll be paying it off the rest of my life, but Me it's okay. Too. I have that degree, right? And it does change your life. So I think we were able to leverage our housing on campus to be able to provide that scholarship to students. So, And what I'm proud about is... You just have to remain in good academic standing 2.0 and higher, be a full-time student, and stay out of trouble. I mean, that's that's really the parameter. So that was one of the largest things. The other thing we did in 2021, especially with the need for support, and students, students are really struggling, a couple of things. One, we're increasing our counseling services for students. Mental health has been something that many people are struggling with, especially during the pandemic and even after the pandemic. It's almost worse. There's something called languishing that a lot of people are struggling with. It's it's that feeling of I'm not sick, but I'm not well. Remember that line from classic 90s song? And you're sort of in this middle. Matchbox 20. Yeah. Was it Matchbox 20? It was. called unwell. Oh, maybe. Yeah. So you're, you're in this position where you're not you're not feeling great. And you need to talk to someone. And so we recognize that in 2021, added a new line to the budget for this year. So we're adding another full-time counselor on staff. We have the interns in the counseling center. And then we also added two new programs, the FYE, which is the first year experience program, which is really about giving a cohesive experience to any student coming to college for the first time and following those students through the first year. In higher education, the first year is the most difficult. And we lose most students between that second and third term. And once they take that break, it's really hard to come back. So figuring out how can we engage our students more when they first get here and make it this this year-long experience that helps them navigate all the parts of being in college. And of course, Janet Bixler is is the spearhead of the FYE yes. program. And we've actually had Janet on a couple times to talk about this. Uh, I love it. I love the fact that somebody is is sort of in charge of these programs. And, That's right. And what also is really interesting about the FYE is, to your point, it is those new students, but yeah. it's also transfer students as well Absolutely. in their first year. So it's not even just a first year college. It's like, how can we orient you to our college specifically over your first year to try to keep you here and keep you to the point where you graduate. 100%. And because we are unique and we're four terms a year, that switch, even if you were a student at another college and you transferred here, it's a big change. Absolutely. It's a faster pace. It's a lot more work in a condensed time. Yes, you can graduate faster, but that requires you to stay on top of your work. So that was one program. We're really proud of that. And then we also added the PACT program, which stands for Pathways to Academic and Career Success Together. And that program is designed to address educational disparities of our high academic need and disadvantaged populations. So it's a very specific program for a specific group of students that sort of get brought in in a cohort together and there's programming designed throughout their first term or two. And again, designed to help them navigate towards college and being in college. Um, our vice president for student services, Romeo Zondikon, he was actually someone who went through a PACT program when he first went to college. And it really changed his life, which is one of the reasons that we brought it here. So those are two new programs that we added and put directors in charge of them. Because oftentimes what we do, and it's not just us, it's everywhere, we have brand new programs and then we try to have you know four or five people manage it that already have full-time jobs. And that's really difficult. We made a financial impact to say, no, we're going to have dedicated directors in these programs. So that's, that's amazing. 
And the last thing I would say in student services that we really had a focus on was increasing our diversity, equity, and inclusion practices. And we did that through, we already had a diversity committee that had programming. They've been in existence for years and have had programming on campus. But we added a president's commission on institutional diversity and equity. And the point of that commission was to really address some of these disparities among our students and and talk to them about how they're feeling and our faculty and staff of color too and how we can make this college a more inclusive place. So we did that and we have an anti-racism advisory committee made of students and alumni, again, to sort of address, address these inequities and what we can do to make our college more inclusive. And I love how not even just in our committees, but in some of these other initiatives you're talking about, you are involving students in this process. And I think that's such an important part of this because I think even in some of the committee work that we've done, if you don't have that student perspective, you're missing out on a a major aspect of positive or negative feedback, both of which can improve the program in the long run. Yeah, you have to be able to hold a mirror up to yourself truthfully and have your students tell you what they love and what they don't love. And they're not shy. <laughs> that is they, one thing. They that have is for no sure. problem telling us. So, yeah, have, you're right. That's a great point, adding our students to our committees. At Central Penn College, opportunity is always on deck for our athletes in major ways in 2022. We work hard to get our baseball athletes back on the diamond for the 2022 season, and we want you to join us in showing what not only these baseball players, but all Central Penn College athletes mean to us. CPC athletic programs put up impressive efforts against the toughest opponents. We are a small college, but we are mighty. Now you have the opportunity to make us mightier. Small but generous gifts can fuel change in programs. Let's start by supporting our current players to provide the practice and warm-up gear that shows we have pride in them. The money we raise in this campaign is going 100% to help fund our players' gear, and it will be theirs to keep. At a place where opportunity is on deck, you can help us put some runs on the board for our players right now. To donate, go to httpgivebutter.com slash cpcdeck. So another thing that uh, we have definitely seen over the past year, not only in just the discussions that you've had and messaging that you've had, but we've also seen tangible evidence of it is, uh, I don't want to say a renewed focus on athletics, but to the point where we've now realized that there are two ways that, and especially post-COVID, yeah. that there are two ways that athletics could go. It could either be dropped entirely or it could be we really need to provide additional support. And we went the way of providing additional support to athletics. That's right. So tell me some of the initiatives that might have been rolled out and maybe what some of the benefits are that you that you see and why you wanted to go in that path. So that's a great question. And a lot of times when colleges are struggling or when you're in a situation like a pandemic and you're trying to think of, of how do you cut costs and how do you keep your environment safe, you also have to think about what's the best investment. And people often look at athletic programming. It's the same with the arts, right? They'll look at athletic programming or the arts and say, okay, we'll cut those. They're extracurricular activities. It's it's a club. And I think that there have been people that treat athletics at our college like a club. And it's not a club. It is a collegiate sport. And you and I feel very strongly about how much athletics brings to an institution. It brings team spirit. It gets the college involved. 
athletes are proven to graduate at a higher rate than non-athletes. It teaches athletes, you know, leadership skills being in sports. So I've always been an advocate. For us, the biggest area of need has been finding home fields for our students, home fields, home courts. And I've been working on this for years Finally, through some great team effort with our athletic director, Casey Hicks, with our advancement VP, Michael Fedor, Romeo Zondikon VP, we met with the Harrisburg Senators. That's a minor league baseball team in Harrisburg. And we were able to make F&B Field our home field for Home of the Nights. And it has been such an incredible experience. It's unlike anything else. And they allowed us to paint the visiting team's you know, locker room, so it's in Knights colors. So we have a home field for our baseball team. We also met with the city mayor of Harrisburg, and Skyline Sports Complex is going to be the home for our men's and women's soccer team, also on City Island, so elevating elevating our facilities to match how strong we feel about our players. So now we're still trying to find a home for our men's and women's basketball team. East Pennsboro High School has been a great partner for us. Um, There's some, not issues, but you have to have courts that match the collegiate lines. And so we have been having conversations with a few different colleges trying to to like co-have a place together. So we're still working on that. Ultimately, the, the big goal is to have our own facilities, but until we can get to that point, we want to have facilities for our students they can call home. And I have to say that when I when I think back to my career, April 22nd, 2022 oh. is going to be a day oh, man. that I remember for the rest of my life. So uh, the day that I'm referring to is our community night that we had at FMB Field for our final home game uh, at FMB Field for this year. And I put in the article that I wrote that I estimated 500, but I would say that all it was around day, there. I would say that there was probably more. Yeah, there were at least 500. We had a staff member up there counting at one point. 500 people, use of the scoreboard, having our, our athletes' faces up there and their numbers. You were calling the game. The senators came in and played music in between the innings. People were singing and dancing. It was one of the best days that I've had since I've been here. I can't imagine that day going any better. Oh, it was beautiful. A grand slam. Grand slam. Streams went off without any technological hitches. Of course, two victories in convincing fashion, Large I might victories, add. yeah. That really in a microcosm is just shows the impact. That's right. And and we love in the net. I love going to in oh, the net. It's, it's a just great 45 facility. minutes it's far. away. Yeah, it's far. Whereas FMB is less than 10. Less less than 10 and you have the backdrop of the city of Harrisburg behind you. It's it's visually beautiful and we get to invite our community. And we want our community to come to our games, right? To see our players. So that was a big thing. I think fundraising for athletics this year that's new for us, partnering with the Education Foundation, being able to raise money for gear, for swag for our students, for equipment. Um, we're having the basketball hoops replaced on campus um, up in, on the outdoor courts because our students were telling us that, you know, for them right now, they're sort of like half moons. And they're saying, no, we need, we need, I was going to say backdrops. That's the wrong word. What is it Backports? called? Thank you. Um, that are square. Um, so the Alumni Association generously made a donation so we can replace those. So being able to fundraise so that our students are feeling like we're proud of them because we are. So it's been, a, it's just been amazing. Oh, and we expanded our gym. 
which is fantastic, by the way. I know yeah. it's it's still the, the the ribbon cutting, if you will, hasn't quite happened at this point, but we, we definitely have to be on the lookout for that. We have to be on the lookout for that, and we're getting some new equipment, and it's branded and it's CPC colors, and so that came from a generous donation from one of our board members. That's really exciting, and then our food services. So we are looking to get fresh vending twenty four hours a day, right adjacent to night and day cafe, so our athletes for all of our students really after cafe hours can come back and have some fresh food. Such so. a great idea. And uh, we will absolutely put more information to go along with the fundraising initiative for athletics. So should anybody be interested in donating to that cause that you can do so. One of the last things, and, and again, here we're kind of limited by time. We could probably go on all day about all of the wonderful things that you've <laughs> done. But certainly one of the biggest initiatives from an academic perspective is the rollout of short-term certificate and diploma programs. So first of all, maybe let's start off with what some of them are, but secondly, why might a certificate be right for a certain type of student? In the pandemic year in 2020, a lot of people were displaced. A lot of our community members lost their jobs. Um, A lot of people just started doing some reflecting and thinking about what it is that they want to do if they were in the right career. And so there was a massive demand for some short-term certificates. And that's really, you're taking 9 to 18 months to get a credential. It's not a degree, but it is a certificate that has credit. And then those credits could transfer into an associate's degree at another time or a bachelor's degree, and then eventually your master's degree. Um, But the reason we did that, it was really a response to the community, the healthcare community in particular. There was such a need for some of those entry-level functions, medical assisting, phlebotomist, surgical technicians, which is really an area where a lot of people had to leave. And so hospitals were literally calling us, asking us to resurrect these programs. Because we used to have a surgical tech program here in the 80s. So for us, it was a question of how quickly can we get these back online? And Dr. Crystal Wolf worked with her teams to get these certificates developed. Even small business and entrepreneurship as a certificate, wanting to be, you know, a lot of people want to start their own businesses. They have great ideas, great passion. Great passion is not going to make you a good businessman or woman. You need to have those fundamental Interestingly enough, one of the things that I've done in my career is I've done social media consultations. Uh, I I was a manager at some point, but I work with exclusively small businesses. Yeah. And and every single one of them, they have a wonderful idea, but they just – they know what they know. And I use this example. I work with a lot of like restaurants. So Mm -hmm. these folks are amazing chefs and have gone to school. They don't know anything about marketing. That's right. And so that was always something that I was able to go in and provide to them. But to your point, a lot of small businesses really struggle with maybe accounting or marketing or even just HR, like how to run a a, a staff. That's right. And so all of these things, people could benefit from some of these short-term certificates. And that's the whole idea. So maybe it's for someone who they might even have a degree in something else, but they want to open their own business. They're thinking about the associate's degree, but they're not sure yet. You can start at the certificate level. It it gets you the basic knowledge of all of the aspects of that certificate. I think a a social media certificate or a media certificate would be phenomenal. (laughs) We're working on it. Because to your point, there are so many organizations that do not know how to navigate the communication (laughs) world. And even having that credential can help them. And then the other beauty of certificates is for students who don't necessarily think that they're made to be students or able to be students, it builds their self-efficacy, their belief that they can be a student. So when you are 
are an adult or even out of out of high school and you don't know if you want to go to college, you take a certificate, which is going to increase your earning potential. Then you realize how much you love it and it gets you halfway to an associate's degree and it starts building that confidence that you need to be a student. So Absolutely. that's the beauty. Well, Dr. Fadrizi, so something for those of you who are maybe listening to this on the nightly news side, um, we're doing a simulcast here of Dr. Fadrizi's The Bridge podcast, which has been going on for several years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was just something that we we thought would be really cool to do sort of the simulcast. So something that Dr. Fadrizi does on every single episode <laughs> is she ends with a five question, as she calls it, rapid fire. So for the first time ever, you are going to be answering these questions. All right. Okay, so the first question in rapid fire is the top song, group, or artist currently on your playlist. You know, and I looked at this so that I'm I'm being 100% honest. I don't even know if you know who this is. Jack Harlow? Not familiar. He's, (laughs) He's a current rapper. Who's someone who's, I'm very fascinated with his style of rapping. So I, I, when I looked at it, I said, oh yeah, I have been listening to him recently. But prior to him, it would be some 80s or 90s. Cat or dog? Oh, dog. All day. And you have a dog, so we should have known oh, that, that yes, was coming. Oh, yes, 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 yes. The best thing that happened to you this month? Oh, we're out of April. Otherwise, I would have said that baseball game. Um, probably just last night, my eighth grader came in as we were setting the table for dinner and said that he knew what he wanted to do for a living. Wow. Like he was just adamant. Like, I know what I'm doing. He said, I know what I'm doing. I said, about what? <laughs> he said, my career. So what do you want to do? And he wants to be a teacher. And specifically wants to teach history. That is very, very, very specific for such a young age. It is. And I said, college or K through 12? And he said, K through 12 would open his options for availability to be a teacher. I said, well, that's true. Absolutely. So, <laughs> Okay, next, favorite beverage? Coffee. I love coffee, too. Yeah. I don't know that would be my favorite, but it's got to be up it's, there. It's my favorite. And... Your best advice for our CPC students? You have to keep going. And I, I think it's very it's very tempting to want to give up or to pause or to stop because it gets difficult and you're tired. You have to continue to push yourself because when you do and you get to that finish line and you get that degree and you look back and someone says, I don't know how you did it, you can say, well, I never stopped. So I think when you feel like you can't do it anymore... There are people that can help you get there, but keep pushing yourself. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this portion of the Bridge slash Nightly News podcast. But when we come back from our break, we'll get the tables turned on me, and then I'm going to be the one getting grilled. Yes. (laughs) So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Bridge, hosted by Central Penn College President Linda Fedrizzi-Williams. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a great rating on your favorite podcast service. The Bridge is available on Apple iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes of The Bridge, stories of resilience, courage, and innovation with Dr. Linda Fadrizzi-Williams. We'll see you next time.